Hello everyone, and welcome back to Strange Origins, your favorite podcast about the history of all things weird and spooky. Before I get into this week's subject, I would like to ask everyone who enjoys Strange Origins to do me a few favors. First of all, I would love it if you could share the show with someone else who you think might enjoy it. Secondly, go ahead and click subscribe wherever you're listening or go give me a review on iTunes, as it helps others to more easily find me. I also want to remind you that I have an Instagram page that actually has grown quite a lot recently. I post funny memes, which have been getting a lot of love, and that's also where I keep everyone updated on my episode schedule. Since I will be starting another part-time job soon, I would like to start doing an episode each month where I read your stories for others to hear. To send me experiences related to episodes I put out, subjects you think I should research next, or just random weird stories you can't quite explain, head over to my Instagram page at Strange Origins Podcast and send me a direct message. If you feel more comfortable being anonymous, just let me know. Who knows? Maybe other people might relate to your strange tales. I know that when I talked about my experiences with the Hat Man in my fourth episode, I actually had a lot of people telling me that they had had similar experiences, but they thought they were alone in those experiences. You never know what kind of connections you'll make. Thanks guys. And now, on to the show. Werewolves are a subject that everyone in the Western world has heard of. They're featured in everything, though more notably in films. Due to the monster craze of early Hollywood, they were catapulted into movie fame in 1913 in a silent film titled The Werewolf. Afterwards, they grew up with the film industry. Later on, they were featured in classics like the horror comedy titled An American Werewolf in London and the 1980s comedy Teen Wolf featuring Michael J. Fox. If you asked young adults today to list famous werewolves, they would no doubt mention Remus Lupin from Harry Potter or the shapeshifter werewolves in Twilight. Werewolves are known for being a human that transforms into a wolf-like creature under the conditions of a full moon, which makes sense when you consider that the term were can either translate as man or mean to transform. The difference between a shapeshifter and werewolf is that the transformation of a werewolf is usually involuntary, and their actions while in animal form are not under their control. This transformation could be caused by many different events, all more weird than the last. Based on the mythology, you could involuntarily transform into a werewolf by being attacked by another werewolf, from a family curse, and in some stories, from drinking water from a wolf's paw print. 
Other stories involve picking and wearing a white flower found in the Balkans called Lycanthropus. In Russia, there is a myth that states that any child born on December 24th, Christmas Eve, is destined to be a werewolf. In Sweden, it's said that drinking a magic cup of beer and saying a special chant will transform you into one. In Germany and France, it's said that anyone can turn themselves into a werewolf and that all it takes is sleeping outside on Wednesdays or Fridays, with the full moon shining directly on your face the entire night. A lot of legends state that you have to wear the skin of a wolf while completely naked, or at least wear a belt of fur, and either be granted a wish by a group of men dressed in black or swear your allegiance to the devil. So where did this strange set of rules come about? And what exactly is it about the full moon that could bring out the animal in someone, allowing them to completely lose control? The first transformation from human to wolf is thought to have happened in the Greek story, the Epic of Gilgamesh. The main character, Gilgamesh, turns down a woman who wishes to be his next lover after finding out that she had turned a previous boyfriend into a wolf. Turning people into wolves would be a common theme in Greek stories after that, but they wouldn't be quite the same as the modern version of a werewolf that we know of today. Another Greek story that could have contributed to the modern version of the werewolf is the legend of Lycaon. In this story, the king of Arcadia, Lycaon, heard that Zeus, the chief Greek god who had power over the skies, was coming for a visit disguised as a peasant. To test if Zeus really was omniscient, meaning he knew everything at all times, he served him a meal made from his own son, Nyctimus. Since Zeus really was omniscient, he refused the meal and turned Lycaon into a wolf most likely symbolizing that Lycaon was nothing more than a ravenous animal with no regard for those around him. He then killed the rest of his offspring, which probably was for the best. This story was thought to have been written as a way of describing the disgust most Greek citizens felt about the small portion of people that still practiced cannibalism at the time. Sometimes the belief in werewolves could be blamed on the simple fact that people donned wolf skins as a way of survival. In 425 BC, the Greek historian Herodotus jotted down that a nomadic tribe called the Neuri were known for transforming into wolves several days of the year. In reality, the tribe, who were from Russia, were known for donning wolf pelts in order to survive the coldest of the harsh winter days. In Nordic folklore, the saga of Volsungs was written around 1250. It told of a father and son duo who found wolf pelts that turned people into wolves for 10 days at a time. After trying them on, they went on a rampage, killing men, women, and children wherever they saw them, and were completely unable to control themselves. Strangely enough, they were only saved when the father attacked the son, and a raven miraculously landed on the son with a magical healing leaf. When they finally got the pelts off, they burned them, not wanting them to cause any more damage than they already had. Later on, the belief that donning animal pelts could give you the power of that specific animal became very popular. Vikings adopted this approach in warfare, 
and those warriors who would hunt the pelts of bears, boars, and wolves would call themselves berserkers. The term means to wear a coat made of bearskin, and it's where the modern term of going berserk actually comes from, which is defined as being out of control with anger or excitement. Of those men, an Icelandic historian once wrote, his, Odin's, men rushed forward without armor. They were mad as dogs or wolves, bit their shields, and were strong as bears or wild oxen, and killed people at a blow, but neither fire nor iron told upon them. This was called Berserker Gang. I thought that it was interesting that a lot of the actions of what we today would call serial killers were blamed on werewolves in places like France in the 16th century. Since no one could explain the mental illnesses that went into brutal murders at the time, it was easier to explain away killings with the idea that they had made a deal with the devil and were given magical abilities. A little known fact is that werewolf trials took place on the heels of the infamous witch trials, which most of us are familiar with as taking place on US and European soil. Much like the witch trials, all it took was a single accusation for suspicion to land at your feet. If anyone disliked you in the least, you were probably going to be accused of something weird. In France in 1521, authorities were led to the home of a man named Michael Verdon. They had been alerted of a wolf attack, and since the traveler who had been attacked by the wolf had managed to wound it, he followed its trail to Michael's home, where he witnessed a woman cleaning a man's wounds. This led to a belief that Michael had transformed into a wolf, attacked him, and had been injured, and then turned back into a human in the safety of his own home. Under extreme torture, he confessed to being a werewolf and told officials that two other men were also guilty of the crime as well. One of the other accused, Pierre Burgo, confessed to making a deal with three strangers dressed in all black clothing for the protection of his flock of sheep. What he didn't realize before making the deal, apparently, was that it involved his renouncing his belief in God and his baptism. Though the details are fuzzy as to why, he said that Michael had given him an ointment that allowed him to turn into a wolf, and together they had killed at least two children. All three men were executed. In mid-1500s Germany, Peter Stump was known as the Werewolf of Bedburg. Though he had another name, it's thought that people took to calling him Stump due to the fact that his left hand had been cut off, leaving him with only a stump. After being stretched on a rack, a severe form of torture, he confessed to having practiced magic from the age of 12 and that the devil had given him a magic belt that had given him, quote, the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws, end quote. Threatened with more torture, he also confessed to a great number of killings, including pregnant women and his own son. The paranoia was so bad that his daughter and mistress were also killed with him because of accusations of a sexual nature. His execution was one of the more gruesome, according to the few records found detailing the event. A lot of the actions that took place were to prevent him from returning from the grave, 
such as the breaking of his limbs with the blunt side of an axe head, his beheading, and burning on a pyre. Before that, though, he was simply just tortured, being strapped to a wheel and burned with red-hot pincers. Local authorities then took his head and displayed it on a stick, along with a wolf's head. In 1651, in Estonia, an 18-year-old named Hans was accused of both lycanthropy and witchcraft. Though he never admitted to making the pact with the devil that was thought to be necessary to become a witch, he did confess to being a werewolf for two years, saying that a man in black had bitten him, leading to his transformation. He was found guilty and put to death as well, based on the simple technicality that if he had transformed, he had used magic and could therefore be tried as a witch. While those cases most likely involved the accusation and execution of innocent men, that's not to say that every werewolf trial happened without actual murders occurring. One of those famous cases involved Giles Garnier, a 16th century man who was referred to as the Werewolf of Dole. He was known for being a hermit, and after moving his new wife out to his country home, he began to worry about how to feed the both of them. He was used to hunting for his food as he lived deep in the woods, but not for two people. After a few children went missing, a group of workers from a nearby village came across what looked like a wolf, but was recognized as Garnier, carrying the body of a child. When he was arrested, he confessed that while hunting for his wife and himself one night, that a specter appeared and offered him a strange ointment that would allow him to hunt with more ease in the shape of a wolf. He stated that he took the offer, and later on confessed to stalking and killing four children. He was later burned at the stake, with more than 50 witnesses testifying against him. There also were countless stories of rapists or murderers in France or Germany around the same time who were referred to as werewolves. Their crimes, which were all very real, landed them the popular nickname, though there was no mention of wolf-like shapes or magic ointments. In those cases, it was simply just men whose crimes couldn't be labeled as anything else but animalistic, which in a way reminds me a great deal of a lot of the frenzied actions of serial killers such as Ted Bundy. Something that surprised me during research was the fact that a lot of werewolves accused were women, referred to as werewomen. In 1615, a French physician reported that a woodsman had been attacked in the forest. He managed to cut off the wolf's leg that attacked him, at which point she transformed back into a human woman. She was later burned alive. In the Encyclopedia of Occultism, written in 1920, it was recorded that in Armenia, it was believed that sinful women would be presented the option by a demon to wear a wolf's fur. If she accepted, she would spend the next seven years transforming into a werewoman at night, killing anyone she came across, including her own children. So is it the supposed werewolves who are more out for blood? While I do think that animal transformations could, in some form or another, be real, it's more the use of magic pelts and ointments, which popped up again and again in my research, that is suspicious to me. In most cases, though, I don't think lycanthropy is so much magic as it is a magic show, used to instill fear and paranoia for the purposes of social or political gain, or simply as an excuse to get rid of the outlier, 
the town weirdo who you don't quite understand. As witches know from experience, all it takes is a whisper of a rumor. In 1685, in what is now Germany, there is a story of a village whose people became tired of a wolf that preyed on the local livestock, and later on children, so they decided to trap him. For whatever reason, though, they believed it to be their dead mare. This was probably due to the fact that at the time, werewolves were thought to be connected to revenants, or those who are brought back from the dead. Those who died in sin were thought to come back from the grave as blood-drinking wolves. The townspeople succeeded in leading the wolf from the woods into town, where it jumped into a well for protection. Finally trapped, they killed the wolf, but took only its muzzle, and put around it a wig, a face mask, and a beard, giving it the appearance of their deceased mayor. They dressed it up in human clothing, and paraded it around town, showing it off at local pubs. Later, it was hung in public view for passerbys to see, and afterwards, it was preserved to be placed in a museum. The modern werewolf we know of today came by way of classic films. The 1941 movie titled The Wolfman established a lot of rules that we know of today, such as the ones involving the idea that a werewolf only transformed under the light of a full moon. This most likely was only written because film producers needed to have as much light as they could during nighttime scenes in order to illuminate the gory transformation that sold tickets. The fact that werewolves might only be killed by silver is another stereotype that was created for the use of films, and it's thought that it's only because silver is strongly associated with the moon. A lot of films involving werewolf transformations were not allowed to be created due to the fact that censorship in Hollywood in the 1920s was so strict. A main reason for this action was the thought that a werewolf transition too resembled the controversial ideas that Darwin had put forth concerning evolution. The films then were being created on the heels of events such as the Scopes trial, which saw a science teacher taken to court over supposedly teaching evolution as a creationist theory. Later on, when the classic films were put on TV, a new hype was born, which led to Stan Lee creating the Marvel comics Werewolf by Night. Belief that one could transform into an animal is prevalent in every country, with examples ranging from were-reindeer in Finland to were-wildcats in Japan. In South American folklore exists the Nawal, who, much like the werewolf, has the ability to shapeshift. What caught my attention in regards to this story is the widespread belief that in order to be able to shapeshift must make a pact and give a sacrifice to the devil. Unlike European werewolves, who were associated with witches, they were believed more to be shapeshifters or magicians. In the psychology world, there is the rare case of clinical lycanthropy. It is a psychiatric condition wherein the person affected believes they can transform into an animal. This can include stating that they feel like an animal, or physically acting out as such by biting, growling, or pawing at the ground. A Persian prince once believed himself to be a cow, and it is also believed that the king of Armenia, Tyridides III, adopted the behavior of a wild boar after being romantically rejected.
So could werewolves be real? Or are they just humans' way of expressing themselves? Are they a scapegoat for what the sane could only attribute to be brutally animalistic and inhumane? Or are they all of these things? Personally, I think that every human has a werewolf side to them. That part of them that lets go of logic and does things based on pure instinct. But do we grow fur and run around howling at the moon? Not in my experience. My recommendation would be not to make any deals with strangers in black clothing who offer you magic animal skins or ointments. That's just my opinion, though. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Stay safe out there, everyone. And don't forget to keep it strange. <laughs>